Um, I remember when I began preaching, um, that was the main criticism I heard back, was that I was using that expression way too often, you know? Uh, How about no way? No way. You like that one? Gordon likes that one. (laughs) Well, there's no explaining everything, you know, but one that wasn't in the poll that I find particularly or found particularly annoying when we lived up in Minnesota, right beneath the Canadian border, was the expression for cute. For example, if you had a, if we were strolling a baby down down the sidewalk and someone came up and they admired the baby and wanted to compliment us, they'd say, oh, for cute. That's weird, isn't it? Sayings that are unique to the people we love or the people we marry are especially interesting, too. For example, when Laura and I first got married, she used the expression a lot. She still does, but back then it seemed like a lot more, and that's the expression, put it over. Put it over can mean anything from put the tea kettle over the heat on the stove to turn on the dishwasher. Put it over. That was an expression that was generic to her region of the country. And then another one that I'm not sure was generic to her region of the country or she just liked, when she was irritated with me, she would say, go chase yourself. (laughs) When I was growing up, we had a... um, a laundry chute. How many of you have had a laundry chute at some point in your life where you open a little door and you put your laundry in that and it falls down a chute into the basement area um, where your washing machine is? Well, we had that growing up. And so the man who married my sister, his name's Dave, he complained because that was foreign to him. And so he found himself after they were married graciously thinking he was picking up, you know, one of my wife's shirts off the floor and asking her if it should go in the laundry or if it could be worn one more time. And so he'd yell, Chris, um, what should I do with this uh, red shirt of yours? And uh, she would say, ah, throw it down. So he'd throw it down. (laughs) How about the nauseating political media language where this year where every project under the stimulus bills is shovel ready. Aren't you glad that every project is shovel ready? And how any crisis, we are there from day one. We are there from day one. Those of you who are political junkies know that these phrases are there every day, several times a day. And then when any official on TV or talking head wants to really get honest with us and really tell us what's going on, they'll, they'll get a serious expression on their face and they'll say, look, and then they'll go, blah, 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 blah. And so it's, you know, you can use that one, look, blah, 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 you know, and people will know you really mean what you're saying. Cultural sayings are probably the worst for me. For example, my bad. I used to like, it's all good, but that kind of got trite. 
Um, how about this phrase, with that being said, that's another one you hear on TV a lot. At the end of the day is one that's way overused right now, but the king for me, the king of annoying and irritating phrases is, it is what it is. Anybody with me on that? A few. God bless you. There's uh, one cultural phrase, though, that I would like to use this morning, actually, and key in on. You might hear a younger person say after they're invited to a party or, or challenged in some way to some marathon or big challenge, that young person might say, I'm all in. I'm all in. And so I'd like to use that as a title this morning and ask the question, are you all in? Am I all in? Are we all in to this faith that we've espoused? I think this is an important question because if you're like me, you have to fight a tendency to withdraw internally. Um, I remember as a teenager wanting to be anywhere but where I was. It was a strange sensation, but I remember that very vividly, just never being satisfied with where I was or with, with the people I was with, but wanting to be somewhere else. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, at the time, this is so strange. Why can't I escape that feeling? And yet there it was. I also noticed later in life on missions trips, of all things, that I would um, be three or four days into a week-long mission trip with the basic youth or, or, or a TCF group, and I'd find myself internally withdrawing, kind of just checking out. I'd still be okay on the outside, but on the inside, I don't know if I felt overwhelmed or too many people or what, but I, I would struggle with this sense of internal withdrawal. Tom Lotz caught me, though, once. One time when we were in Seattle, he, he took one look at me and he said, Jim, are you lying down on the inside? <laughs> and that became kind of a, a way to keep each other up, was to say, are you lying down on the inside? And, and that, that would rally us. I know in my marriage that um, there have been times where I have emotionally disengaged. And I know that from my work in counseling that this is a struggle that men often have in particular of being emotionally engaged with their, with their wife, but then seasons or days of, of disengaging. And um, Gary Thomas, the man who wrote the book Sacred Marriage, warns against this. Then I read a book by a doctor who helped us deliver our first couple babies, um, and he wrote this very profound statement. He said, in my spirit, I want to serve, but in my soul, I want to be a hermit. And I find that battle going on within me, and some of you I know can relate to that. But the Apostle Paul had a very different attitude, didn't he? In 2 Corinthians 12, 15, he said, I will spend, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. The scriptures say, uh, never flag in zeal. That word flag means never 
stop being zealous for the Lord and for his kingdom. And then I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews 10, starting in verse 36. Hebrews 10, starting in verse, excuse me, let's start in verse 35. It says, therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come. And will not delay. But my righteousness one, my righteous one, shall live by faith. I would maybe even be so bold as to insert the word must. But my righteous one must live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction. But of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. So I want to look at four areas uh, this morning and bring a message of dedication. And the four areas are the gospel, your personal relationship to Christ or, or with God, your dedication to TCF, and to evangelism. And I want to ask the question in each of these four areas, are you still all in? Are you still all in? Now, before we go into those, I want to just say, offer this caveat that sometimes we need to withdraw from the battle. For short periods of time, we may need healing, we may need um, refreshing, we may need some time away. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where we internally withdraw from the battle because we have descended into self or we have um, started imbibing in some sins or we've gotten into too many distractions from the world. That's the kind of withdrawal uh, syndrome that I'm asking you to evaluate in your own hearts this morning. So let's start with the gospel. How many of you would say that the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ at some point in your life really got a hold of you? The wonderful story of God sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. It turned your world upside down. What is it that we believe when we talk about this gospel, we believe that we were made in the image of God. Amen? We don't start with sin. Yes, we are sinners, and sin entered the world through that first man, but we start with the reality that we were made in the image of God. Sin entered the world through the first man, and thus every man sins. We became unable to not sin, and so we needed a Savior because we became desperately corrupt and even hostile to God and to His ways. We needed a Savior, someone to rescue us from sin and death and the propensity to sin 
and to appease on our behalf the offended God of the universe. A soft gospel doesn't take into account that a holy God was offended by our sin, by the sin of man, and he needed appeasing. So God himself, because of his great love, sent his son into the world, didn't he? From heaven to be the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins by death on a cross, a most horrible, shameful, and painful death. That he would take away the sin of the world and and offer a way of salvation for all those who would believe in his name and accept his death in their place. We believe that Jesus laid down his life of his own accord, amen? That it wasn't taken from him, but he left heaven of his own accord and came down and died on the cross, and God raised him up again to reign in heaven and send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. What a tremendous, tremendous message. John 1.12 says, But to all who received him, who believe in his name, he gives power to become the children of God. And when I'm sharing the gospel with someone, that's what I love. That's the part that I love to share the most, is that it's not about me being good enough for God or any of us measuring up. It's about him coming inside us and changing us from the inside out. Isn't that wonderful news? To me, that's the... I don't know, that's a kernel of the good news of the gospel. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to live in this kingdom of light and to avoid the snares of the kingdom of darkness. We actually become partakers of the divine nature, the book of Peter says. That's an amazing thought. And then, if we keep his commandments... What does John 14, I think it's verse 15 and 21 say? It says that if we keep his commandments, he comes and what? He comes and makes his home in us. What a tremendous, tremendous message. So we have this great and glorious gospel. I don't want to be ashamed of it, do you? I don't want to back away from it. I don't want to downplay it. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. So we have this tremendous gospel. We have this decision to not be ashamed of it, but, but it doesn't stop there. We understand that God has given us a new identity as his children. What a thing that we don't have to search for our identity. We don't have to try on different identities uh, because we've been given an identity already. Let me talk about that just for a minute. In 1 Corinthians 4, 1, and ver- verse 1 and verse 2, it says, but let a man regard us in this manner as what? servants of Christ, and a steward of the mysteries of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. You are a servant of Christ, a slave of Christ, and a steward of 
the mysteries of God. I want to talk about a little word that troubles our brain, and it's the word just, J-U-S-T, because I think we all fight with this little phrase in our minds where we have this tendency to downplay who we are. We say to ourselves, well, I am just a housewife. Or we say to ourselves, I am just a, a teenager. Or we say to ourselves, I am just a boy. I am just a girl. I am just an ordinary man. There may be times where there's strength in saying that, but I think we often downplay who we are in Christ by allowing that little phrase in our brains because what does the Scripture say? The Scriptures say that I am a servant of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God. The Scriptures say that you are a royal priest in the priesthood of God. The Scriptures say that you are an adequate minister of the new covenant. The scriptures say that you are an ambassador for Christ, God making his appeal through you. The scriptures say you are a new creation in Christ. You are God's own possession. You are a sanctified vessel, even that you have become the righteousness of God in him. All of that can be overwhelming and kind of scary, and make us want to say, but I'm just this, or I'm just that. But I want you to agree with the scriptures this morning and be careful of those two little words in your brain, I'm just. So here's my point about the gospel. If, if this incredible gospel has ever gotten a hold of you, if it's ever turned your world upside down, if it has ever owned you, I want to ask you, don't withdraw from it. Don't uh, put it under a bushel. When you go into your workplace, do you represent to your co-workers the gospel? Do they identify you with it? Have you fostered that identification as you go through life? to be identified with the gospel? Have you owned the gospel as your story that you are to take into the world with a sense of responsibility and expansion and promulgation? I want to ask you to continue to be associated with it, identify with it, acknowledge it, be obligated to it, as Paul said, carry it into your workplace and take responsibility for it. Let me ask you, are you still all in to this great thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Don't withdraw. Don't lie down on the inside. Don't shrink away. But once again, stand up and say, I'm all in. I'm all in to this thing we call the gospel. Hallelujah. A second area where we can so easily withdraw is in our personal relationship with God. One of the most wondrous 
joys of our faith walk is the reality that God wants us to know him personally. Isn't that an incredible, beautiful, wondrous thing? And you might remember from your English um, grammar days uh, that there are these little words called prepositions. Prepositions are little words that express relationship. For example, in the sentence, the book is in the, in the desk. The little word in expresses a relationship between the book and the desk. If you change that little word to on, the relationship changes, right? Okay, well, when you turn to the Greek, um, there's a very interesting thing that Jim has talked about sometimes in the past where our English translations say in when the Greek preposition is into. For example, in John 6.29, we read, this is the, Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom God has sent. That's what our English version says. But guess what the Greek says? This is the work of God that you believe into the one whom he has sent. The, the Greek word is, that we're talking about is the word ice. And um, ice always express, expresses movement toward, movement into something or someone. It's more than a mere intellectual ascent, but it means um, moving into that thing or that person or toward them. So believing in Christ means that there's an ongoing movement into our relationship with him. It's not just uh, in Christ. That, that we do enjoy as well. In fact, Paul said something like 35 times in the book of Ephesians that we are securely in Christ. And he really elevates that positional place that we have in the Lord. But there's also verses that talk about being into Christ, believing into Christ. And so there's this obligation in these verses to be continuing to move into our relationship with him. For example, in modern-day English, I can say, I am in a marriage. How different it is when I say, I am into my marriage. Follow that? So that's kind of the thing. I, I, I'm in my marriage and I'm moving toward my spouse even in these days um, rather than I am simply in the state of marriage. That's what this little preposition in the Greek, ice, brings out. Now let's turn to 2 Corinthians 3.18 and we'll see how this works out in concept in a verse that also uses the word ice. And I'll, I'll read it in that way. This is a familiar verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory, now my version says from glory to glory, but the little word to there in the English is actually ice, from glory into 
progressive glory. So the idea here is that as we increasingly reflect on, on the Lord, we, we begin to reflect his character and his image and his being as we are transformed from glory into progressive glory. One last point about this is that if anyone was in Christ, it was the Apostle Paul, right? That was his message, that we as believers are in Christ. We are in the Lord. We are secure in him. We are seated in heavenly places. And yet in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 10, we see that Paul himself, knowing that he's secure in Christ, he still is moving, wanting to move into Christ when he says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, that I may progressively know him, Paul is saying, that I may move further into him and into my relationship with him and be further conformed to him. And then in verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but what? What do those words say? But I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus, or which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then Paul kind of um, talks about those who might have a different attitude. He says, let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if anything, and if in anything you have a different attitude... Go chase yourself. No, no. It says, God will reveal that also to you. So, let me ask again, are you all in to your relationship with Christ? Are you still seeking him personally? Are you still moving into him? Or have you withdrawn in some way? I know in my own life there are times where, or seasons or days where I just maybe feel discouraged or apathetic or I've somehow gotten too into, into self. And I, it would be true that, uh, to say of me that I am safely and securely in Christ, but it would also be true to say I am not moving into him or toward him as, as that little preposition ice is telling us we should do. Maybe you can't get into the daily quiet time thing or you can't seem to hear his voice or something didn't work out the way you expected. Saints, don't withdraw. Don't shrink back. Keep pressing on and in to the God who loves you and wants you to know him personally. A third area where it's easy to withdraw sometimes is within your own body, within your own local fellowship of God. For us, of course, that's here, TCF. When it comes to TCF, 
and your participation here, let me ask you, are you all in? I'm not talking about necessarily attending every meeting, although I think there are those who need to be challenged to attend more regularly. But I'm asking if you hold yourself aloof internally. Or maybe you only attend the bare minimum of meetings to escape questioning. Or maybe internally you're withdrawn from the family of God that He has given you. The truth is, we need to see each other's dedication to the body here to be inspired to greater dedication ourselves. I, I, I ask you in advance, those of you who have heard this illustration from me so many times perhaps in the past, but no, nothing captured it as well, again, in my thinking about the body of Christ as that story of the group of chimpanzees making their way across a field only to encounter a mechanical lion that scientists had placed in their path. This mechanical lion had kind of a bobblehead, you know, that would go like this. And so then they set up their cameras, and, and sure enough, here comes the pack of chimpanzees on their daily walk across this field, and they, they see the mechanical lion, and they, what do they do? Well, they huddle up, and they, and they talk, and they scream, and they, they talk, and they jump around, and they, they, you know, they kind of nervously touch each other until the first one to break pack, he, he runs out, and he grabs a stick, and he throws it at the lion, and it only goes about halfway, but he runs back, and everybody jumps and screams and slaps him on the back and, oh, you are so great, you are so great. Well, that inspires the second monkey. And so he runs out a little farther and picks up a little bigger stick and he throws it and it almost hits the lion, but oh, they're so proud of him, he runs back. And they jump and they scream, you can just picture them. And then a third one runs out, grabs a rock, throws it, hits the lion, bang! And, oh, they get so excited. He runs back, and they're congratulating him and jumping up and down and screeching like chimpanzees. Well, then a really brave one breaks rank. He runs up, and he slaps the lion on the side and runs back, and they go nuts, you know. Oh, you're such a hero. We love you. You're fantastic. And then finally, the old bull of the woods, the big chimpanzee, he comes out, walks up to that lion, grabs its head and just rips it off, throws it down, and they all come running over and go crazy. To me, that's an image of the body of Christ. <laughs> you know, when I see one of you throw a big stick, I want to throw a bigger one. I want to grab a rock. I want to rip that head off, you know? Truly, I am inspired by you. I have a thousand pictures in my mind of families praying around the communion table, of old saints who've lost their spouse, the love of their lives, and yet they're here every Sunday, of people who hobble in because they're in so much pain, of of people who just come Sunday after Sunday, of people like the Pops team out in Whittier Square last night, you know, making a, 
a testimony for Christ. Don't we inspire each other? We need to see your dedication to be inspired. It's important that we are fully dedicated to this body that God has given us. You inspire me. Let us not forsake our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. It's easy to withdraw from the body of Christ that God has given you. The last area is evangelism, and evangelism is especially easy to withdraw from because of the difficulties and the perceived senses of failure and fear that come with it. We might feel we are imposing on someone if we begin to talk about Christ or there might be an awkwardness in bringing up the Lord or a fear of rejection, but I want to talk about and ask the question, is it clear to all of you that God has given us, this church, these weeks, some new marching orders? Those orders are to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send workers into his harvest field here. This month of December, Bill preached a message November 7th. We have tried in every way we know how to make it clear for it to dawn upon you to uh, hear that message if you weren't in, the church, in church that day. He ended with a challenge called the Help Wanted Prayer Challenge. And it's in your bulletin. Um, but the challenge is coming from not just Bill, but from all the elders, as we believe we've heard from the Lord, that we are to pray to the Lord of the harvest to bring new workers here. And it's to be a threefold thrust. It's to be uh, new souls, one into the kingdom, who we disciple and walk with us. It's also to be unchurched people who... Um, have received the Lord at some time in the past, but they have no church home. And often those people are tormented and bruised. And um, we want them to come as well. And then the third type that we think the Lord wants us to focus our prayers upon are those previously saved individuals who share the vision of this church but have yet to find us and join in that vision. We're trusting that God will give us action steps as we go through the year, but we didn't want to get the cart in front of the horse and start saying, well, this is a good idea, or this is a good idea. We want to take the Lord at his word, amen, and just start to pray. So we've been asking that you would pray every day, or you would pray once a week, that you would make that commitment to pray fervently. How many of you have already made that decision in your mind? and you've started to pray. You've heard that, those marching orders, and you've started to pray. It's amazing how something can be spoken and in the bulletin, and I never catch it, you know. So that's why we're hitting it, hitting it very hard. So are you all in, in terms of this prayer challenge? Even if direct evangelism is hard for you, this is something you can do and see fruitfulness. 
I want to close with um, by telling you that recently Bruce recommended the elders a movie called Temple Grandin. And it's about a woman born in 1947 with autism. And um, it's a very inspirational movie about a very inspirational woman. Um, even with autism, she went to college. She got a master's and a PhD in animal science. Um, she was especially interested in cows and slaughterhouses. Uh, her interest in cows stemmed from the fact that each summer she, her mom would send her to her aunt's house, or ranch actually, and she loved being with the cows and studying them. But today, over 50% of the slaughterhouses in America are designed, have been designed by her. She had a radical design change where she made these curved shoots that the cows would just follow in a peaceful, uh, natural way rather than the straight shots that was traditional. She was a woman who, and is a woman who, we could say is all in. When she was afraid to go to college, one of her teachers said, if you will go through that door, a whole new world will open up to you. And that became her motto. And so every challenge she faced, she would see it as a door that she had to go through and then learn how to function in that new, new environment. I wonder, will we go through the doors the Lord has put before us? Will we be all in or will we be content to withdraw either as individuals or as a church? You know, it starts with each one of us making a decision to be all in in any area where we have withdrawn. So I want to ask you to, um, if you would, just close your eyes now and uh, let's allow the Holy Spirit to move and speak to us. I want to ask any who, of you who may have withdrawn on the inside, any who are lying down on the inside, maybe holding yourself aloof. If you are, I think you can sense it, you know it, because perhaps you have descended into self or sin or distractions. And the Holy Spirit is asking you to re-engage and recommit and rededicate yourself to one or more of these four areas. If you feel that's you, I'd like you to be bold enough to stand and um, before the Lord. You may have withdrawn from the gospel and you want to make a statement, I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps personal, in terms of your personal relationship with Christ, you, you've been in Christ, but not into Christ, not moving toward him, and you'd like to start that again. The Lord is asking you to do that again. Please stand. 
And then perhaps in some way you've disengaged from TCF. You know this is your home church. You know this is the family that God has given you. And yet, for whatever reason, you've held yourself aloof on the inside and not fully embraced the family that God has given. I ask you to stand, please. And then if you would like to accept the Help Wanted Prayer Challenge, you haven't really got a hold of it until this morning and you want to respond to that, I'd ask that you'd stand as well. And uh, let's all join in prayer for any around us or those who are standing or even for yourself. Lord, we just admit we are a needy people, that we need to present ourselves to you this morning knowing that we need greater dedication. We ask your forgiveness, Lord, for ways in which we've withdrawn on the inside or maybe even on the outside, ways that we have withdrawn. We trust that it's not Jim speaking to our hearts, but it's you speaking to our hearts. And so we want to take this seriously. We ask your forgiveness, Lord. We remember your word that says if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Any who are hurt, Lord, I pray that they might be able to get over that hurt and re-embrace the family of God here. We thank you for forgiving us. We ask now, Lord, for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just come and sweep over this place and that we might be filled with the Holy Spirit, as your word says. Lord, for those of us who have lost our zeal, to pursue you and to carry your gospel forward and to evangelize and to pray for souls. We ask your forgiveness and we pray for new zeal. We pray especially for our personal relationship with you, Lord, that we might not feel overwhelmed or uh, discouraged over our failures but we would pursue you and pursue hearing your voice, pursue spending time with you, trusting that even if we don't hear anything specific from you for a season, that we are still being transformed from glory into glory, that we will more accurately reflect your being and your character. People will see Jesus in us. So, Father, we just present ourselves to you afresh. We are forgiven now, and we ask you for that gift of greater dedication, greater zeal, that we won't withdraw anymore.
We love you, Lord, and we commit this word to you, and we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jim. Let's stand together. Jim, look, I'd like you to know that at the end of the day, I'm all in. (laughs) Don't we appreciate our brother hearing from the word? I'm so grateful that, uh, and I'll remove myself from this now because I don't want this to sound like this about me, but I'm just grateful that we have a group of elders that really seek God and to hear his word. And to be faithful to deliver what God has given. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this great family of God you've given us to be part of. We thank you, Father, for speaking to us so clearly from your word this morning. Father, that we would be truly into these things and not just in these things. We are grateful, Father, for speaking to us. We are grateful, Father, for uh, ministering by your Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Father, help us to carry these things with us as we leave. And we thank you, Father, for the joy of being together and for the joy of being your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're dismissed.